Hi, Extraordinaries. Um, today we have a very special guest. She has survived the mental illness for accidents that put her on her bed for 18 months and more than 1,000 needles of infertility. And not only that, she has lived and grow up with individuals who suffer from schizophrenia and who raise beautiful family despite the struggle. So we welcome Priscilla Anjukumar. <laughs> Welcome to the Unlock Your Best Version podcast. Here, we'll inspire each other as extraordinary women to stand stronger, be independent, wiser, smarter, and fun. You'll find tons of inspirations to gain your confidence by being the authentic you, living the life you desire, and getting all the love you deserve. I'm your host, Sylvia Silvers, and let's get started. Hello. Hi, Sylvia. Yes. Uh, thank you for saying yes to become a speaker to the Unlock uh, Your your Best Version podcast. Thank and you. So I've read a lot of your um, your story and then the, the bio. And then to be honest, I got goosebumps. And you are the right, exactly the right person, the right speaker that we need, <laughs> women need in this world, especially during this, uh, during these crazy times, right? Yes, absolutely. Maybe um, please share your story and how did it start? Um, well, I uh, would uh, not take names, but uh, two of my loved ones uh, with whom I grew up uh, had um, disorders. So uh, I've seen this disorder for all of my life. I'm 40, 45, 46 now. So I've seen this disorder all my life. I have seen others, um, um, extended friends and family members uh, who've had some form of mental illness uh, through this phase that I have seen marriages fall apart, people falling apart, lives falling apart. And um, I should say we are blessed. We are blessed because um, our whole family has been raised beautifully and uh, we are very strong individuals, very successful happy, content, and this is where we are uh, now. But this was not where we were 46 years back from what I remember. You know? So there's a lot that goes in in a person's life. But if you have to ask me today um, as to what's different between uh, those who are suffering from mental illness and those who aren't, my question is, um, who is not having mental illness these days, especially after this COVID? It's something that is uh, so vastly spoken about and discussed, mental well-being, mental well-being. So my question is, each one of us have that um, tendency to lose our normalcy in some state for some reason. The, the only difference I see is that it is short-lived in people who are not diagnosed, and it's long-lived for those who are diagnosed. So uh, if you ask me, everybody needs help. Everybody needs, uh, everybody needs somebody to talk to, right? And I feel empathy towards those who have got mental illness. I just don't believe that one needs to be looking down upon anybody who is mentally ill. Yes. 
So, what do you think? Like, what should we do to prevent this to happen? Like, to others, to our loved one, or even to ourselves? See, uh, it is it is something that is out there. All right. Uh, when is it going to impact whom, in what way, and for what reason? It is very hard to determine or to explain it. However, there are certain underlying uh, symptoms and sim symbols that a person might express. The smallest or the lowest form of expression is feeling low, feeling sad. It starts from there. So take the emotions of your loved ones seriously. When I say loved ones, it could be even a colleague, it could be a friend, it could be your family, it could be anybody. Take the emotions seriously. Attend to it. For all you know, just paying a, paying a moment of listening ears is all that it takes to make them feel better. Don't look at everybody and anybody with the suspicious eyes, with judgment, with, uh, uh, you know, with this ego state stating that you're, you're not okay, you're, you're always like this. Because the way we stroke them also leads to either for improvement or for further fall. So be sensitive in the way you handle situations and people when they express their emotions. Mm. Yes. So that's what I always said also, like I believe the words can heal and the words can kill. <laughs> Absolutely. And if somebody is already suffering from uh, mental illness and it happens to be your loved ones, just know that there are a few steps that you can take which can make life easy. One is you need to have a routine, a, a scheduled routine. All right. And then you need to ensure that they have got the roles and responsibilities to play as well. Don't take away the responsibilities. Don't take away the role don't take away their identity of who they are. If they are a parent or they're a child or they are your spouse, they have their roles and responsibility and give them that dignity and respect. Third is, of course, if they are already on uh, diagnosed medications, make sure that the medication is um, given on time and that regular uh, routine is followed. All right. And then remember your way of handling them is the window through which the world is seeing them. So if you treat them with dignity, the world around you is going to treat them with dignity. If you treat them with less respect, everybody is going to be treating them the same way. They can participate in social engagement that does not prevent from people coming into your homes, that does not prevent you from going into social gatherings. It just needs to become more acceptable. For example, if a person has a heart disease, they're not prevented to be in a social engagement event. They do stand the risk of having a heart attack. They do have a risk of um, fainting or having any other kind of sudden shocks could lead to so many things, right? You go to a, you go to a, a ride, an adventurous ride, they have put their heart, uh, people with heart trouble are not allowed, isn't it? So we, we should know even with mental illness, 
there are things that you cannot take risk with but at the same time that you should not be depriving them of life as loved ones yeah okay. so we um, keep riding <laughs> so i want to really this is um, the world is going this way and then we really need to learn about it so what do you think like how to how can we recognize if someone has the mental illness if even like you know they may look all right they may seems like they are living a perfect life they are happy and everything but you know they have this uh, serious mental illness and if we know how to recognize then probably we can you know offer them to some help or something so we we will not lose um, our loved ones because we may miss the this uh, the the symptoms See, there are so many forms of mental illness there are so many names and titles that are given today right and uh, modern psychology is a forever evolving topic and forever uh, discussed topic the the best part of present days is that the mental illness is overtaken by mental well-being so we are more and more hearing about mental well-being we are more more hearing about positive uh, positive elements of human beings once long back at least when i was growing up i have not heard any of these things if you are if you are mentally unwell you are mentally unwell there is no discussion about what is good in you what could be something better in you right but today it's not the case how can you identify it's just like um, if they are very good in faking it up silvia i don't think so you can make out and today with all that is going on i think more and more people are becoming more uh, well versed with the uh, faking stuff right that's that's uh, that's something that we need to always remember somebody is faking themselves and uh, faking themselves in what way if they are going through any kind of depression if they are going through mild version of depression a milder version of sadness a repeat um, repeat thoughts of feeling ill bad it needs you need to have a source where you can talk to it necessarily need not be a counselor even a conversation with a good friend can heal even a conversation with a trusted person can make you feel better and that's what olden days people used to do isn't it but now more and more meaningful conversations are not happening you're you're having to uh, talk to people you don't you feel comfortable talking to people you don't know you feel comfortable to talk to people on social media and you don't even know their whereabouts the real meaningful conversations are becoming lesser and lesser and lesser it's, it's uh, not being present uh, people who are within the same uh, family under the same roof are all busy with their own individual gadgets and they are having an escape route into a world that they have not seen and they are forgetting the world that is real that is in front of them so to pick up signs you need to be firstly present your mind your body has to be present with the person who is there who is probably already sharing these emotions in by words or maybe by action it's it's there you need to pay attention that's all that you need to do 
pay attention, listen, be present. So, what is the the one thing, the one thing you know that you have, uh, you know, you can give to someone if they feel like you know they are in this kind of moment right now. They have, they feel that they keep giving them the negative self talk, and they are in this in this um, situation that. I may need help, but they're too. They feel like they embarrass about it. What is the one thing that you can encourage, especially women? Probably right now they're having this kind of um, really difficult times, being kids, having this online school and everything. You know, everybody. I heard so many people are complaining about it, and then it drives them like crazy, right? So, what is the one thing that you can encourage them? Um, to do to help themselves right now if they really think that they are suffer from their own thoughts you're not alone that's what i would like to tell okay they're not alone in this so why feel shy why mm. feel embarrassed i don't see there should be any reason to prevent them from talking about it with their immediate uh, people at home and if they are um, far from home they have to talk to somebody that they trust if that is also not something that they feel comfortable then they should reach for professional help there is absolutely no reason to feel shy or to feel embarrassed about what are you embarrassed about it's it it is something that is sitting inside your body so what happens tomorrow your your eyesight is um, getting bad due to this lockdown you're all the time sitting inside and your vision is getting bad because you're all the time in front of the computer would you feel shy and embarrassed to go to an eye specialist no you wouldn't and um, you happen to have a small little kitchen accident while cutting your vegetables you find immediate help to get a band-aid and put some first aid medicine to heal it. You don't cut your finger off or chop your hands off because there's a small cut. So there is a small bruise in your mind. There is a small little wound in your heart. So what what makes you feel embarrassed and shy to talk about it? Just there like should a... be no reason. You should look at it exactly like how you would look at a small cut in your finger or if you just had you you just walking across in your house and you've just banged around a table edge you immediately apply an ointment or a medicine to heal so when you are doing all this for the remaining physical part of your body why aren't you bothered about what's sitting inside your head it, it is the one which is controlling your whole system so why ignore it why feel shy about it what is there to feel shy about it you're only shy because it's my opinion that you're scared that you'll be judged. Yes, correct. Yeah, you know, you're you're trying to hide and run away from that judgment of somebody. Of somebody, you you don't want to be judged. Now, I I was telling you about my very close people I grew up with. They had this complex, inferiority complex, that they are not good. But in so many ways, they were a lot more better than those who were not having medication or who were not diagnosed. They were highly talented, super talented, and they had more than an elephant's memory. 
and the, they were too good in mental math. So these, these elements of yours, nobody leverages. See, the, the thing is you need to learn to leverage your strengths. Every one of us have got so many weaknesses, but our minds are naturally diverted towards what we don't have rather than what we have. So we need to learn to leverage on our strengths. Even those who are having illness have got a lot of innate strengths with them. They have to leverage. Somebody has to help them to leverage their strengths. Then, you know, you try to offset it. Mm, yes. So you said that you survived the mental illness yourself. Like, I want to know, like, what keeps you going? Yeah, so when you see your loved ones um, ill, you can't pretend to be like you're fine. You can't fake it, like I can't fake it, right? So when when did I uh, go through this um, um, illness was when I was, uh, when, I, when I had my baby, yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a very um, dangerous ride that we had, the, the whole process. So by end of the tunnel, I, I, I thought that we are not going to make it. So that kind of put me in a shock. All I know is when I woke up, I was yelling and screaming that I want uh, to be by my baby's side. And I was under fear somebody is going to take my baby away from me. And after that, for a few months, I was in that state of fear of losing my child because we, I never thought that we're going to make it. We ran into trouble before I could uh, deliver the child, just around that. I used to, I know what this, uh, what, what was happening to me, that fear was like literally killing me. Even if my child was crying, I would immediately want to go to the doctor. And there have been times when at two o'clock in the night or 3 a.m. in the morning, I used to constantly wake up my husband and tell him like, you know what, there's something wrong with the baby. We need to go to the doctor. We need to go. To the there have been times when we have spent, spent hours in the middle of the road, just between our home and hospital. And um, until I found this uh, nice uh, pediatrician who also is a mother of uh, two children, who became a very close friend of mine later, who understood this is uh, an anxiety that has just left this trace of fear in me. And uh, she she's not a psychologist, she's not a counselor, but uh, the periodic visits to her clinic gave her this indication as to uh, why I'm so scared. If, even, if, even if there is a little bit of uh, colic problem, I would immediately a call for appointment, I would just go walk in there and wait there for hours, you know. And um, later, yes, we, we, I had complete support of my spouse. Complete, 100, 200%. Yes, he understood, he was very empathetic with what happened. And uh, believe me, I don't think so, I could have made it um, so strong. I probably would have had to go into medication and uh, doctor support, probably if it was not dealt with this level of maturity and uh, empathy, the amount of love, affection, attention, empathy 
the, these things just then gets you back to ground. And then later I, I, I started realizing that uh, this is very common. And uh, then I got involved with communities who were new mothers. So it did uh, kind of trickle down and then all of that got settled out. And the doctor had a, yeah, and our pediatrician had a long, uh, had a lot big role to play. I used to ping her at 12 o'clock in the night, one o'clock in the night. <laughs> so she, she knew what the issue was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks to the, your rock solid um, relationship as well. So yes, I know that um, this is also why I want to do this relationship thing because it is really when husband and wife, they have this really rock solid um, relationship, they can overcome every obstacles in their yeah. life. Yeah, I, I believe so too. I believe so too. Yeah. So one one thing that um, I want to ask about you, uh, uh, from you, because um, you are, you've been there, right? You've been suffering, you've been, you you saw a lot of uh, your loved ones and you are also like a um, certified coach, coach. Um, you know, you help a lot of people out of this uh, problem. So you must see a lot of people that, you know, they, they know, but, you know, they don't do just like the ignorance. So if like, you you know someone that they know they have this problem and then you know they they know that they need help but they just so ignorance they don't want to you know bother so what is the first thing that we need to do as um as their close one to to encourage them to get help yeah as i said it should it shouldn't be looked at any different from a headache or, or a pain in your chest or, or a sudden um, pain that you have developed in your chest. You go to a doctor or you take some first aid at home. You should look at this problem exactly, um, exactly the same. Yeah. So they know it and they ignore it. I have seen this happening so many times. When do they do that? They do not want to take medication because they feel judged all the time. So from where is this judgment, judgment coming and how is it reaching them? So wherever they are going in the society, workplace, um, or social engagement circle, that there is a different approach given to them, then they feel judged. Or for all you know, people are not even judging them. It's, it's just playing in their own minds. There has to be more education given to such people, awareness given to them. Um, if, if you, nowadays it's very common to have a blood pressure, isn't it? So those who have got blood pressure, they all take blood thinning tablets. Oh. Um, so what happens if you don't take a blood thinning tablet? It's just that the danger which is postponed might come closer and might be waiting right there at your doorstep. So if you have got your uh, sugar, if you're a diabetic patient, why do you take insulin injections? You can just ignore it. Why do you need it? Why do you need an insulin injection, right? And um, if, if you've got a vision problem and you're going driving, why do you wear specs? You can just drive, you can just ignore. 
that you have a vision problem and you take a car and you drive whose loss it is it's your loss and plus the people who are on the road it's their loss because you are endangering yourself and the others even for mental illness the logic remains the same when you are not feeling well and you refuse to accept it you refuse to acknowledge it and you want to ignore it and you want to uh you you want to make it look like uh, it's okay you are causing more damage to yourself and you're causing a lot of damage to those who are around you immediate family your friends everybody suffers all it takes is for you to take the right help whether it's needing medication or counseling or whatever form of help that is needed for a certified professional they will be able to guide them as to what is it that they need by taking that you're going to make things better for you and for those who are around you i still know of a lot of people who live with this condition who refuse to take medication and i know of family members who do not want to medicate uh, them because they sleep uh, for long hours but they are okay if this person is doing all possible crazy stuff and not sleeping for days causing a lot of chaos within the family and to the rest of the world so there are people who are very ignorant and uh, senseless so is there any like you know any ways to make them okay let's just try it better than when you keep telling them this they know about it but just they keep pushing you away probably you need to use a kind of leash you know there will be some kind of a hook that there is that um, um, uh for example for a mother if the children are getting scared she feels very embarrassed or uncomfortable so you can say that you know children are getting scared have your medication this is i'm talking about somebody who's very ill very very ill but if it is somebody who's just going through periodic uh, depressions or periodic sadness and uh, the self critic all these things if it if it goes unattended for a longer period of time then it dwells into something deeper and something stronger and then so when it is early stage go seek help if you do not put a first aid bandaid on your small little wound uh, while cutting vegetable and you just let it be it's going to get septic and it's going to get bigger and it's going to go more painful for you Yes. So, and then um, because our audience, a lot of them are um, women, wife and mothers. So, my next question is like, as a mother, what should we pay attention to, like while guiding our children, so that they will grow as a mentally strong person? it's it's a very deep question because i'm also a mother i'm also a wife i'm also a working woman mm-hmm. and uh, i do my coaching and counseling and i do my people work social service it's a very it's a very um, uh, deep question silvia all right as women we are naturally emotionally on the high all the time Yes. <laughs> okay. So uh, <laughs> we need to learn to uh, we need to learn to bring in certain balancing 
habits in our daily life to start with whether or not you need it whether or not you are um, having anxieties or issues that is irrelevant even if everything is going fine constantly you should have in your daily habits some form of balancing activity whatever form it may be what resonates to me may not resonate to you but um, balancing comes with uh, spending some me time and doing whatever that me time comes you down whether it is gardening meditation prayers walks jogging gymming anything beauty anything right so that is very very important to be baked into your daily routines just like brushing your teeth this has to be there a so you need to find your balance and you need to have that me time doing that balancing activity day daily every single day that is first secondly there is only so much that you can do and you also have only 24 hours in your clock so stop being a hero and trying to make it look like you can do 1 million things in that 24 hours no yeah yes one day at a time one thing at a time yeah it's it's so hard to put this chaos off this multitasking is there with us all the time because we feel like if we don't do two things at the same time the third thing is going to fall apart it's not true it's absolutely not true like for example it is uh, tea time for me and i'm having this conversation uh, with you it's time for me to switch on the lights it's time for me to turn the candles on it's okay if it gets delayed by another 10 minutes or maybe half an hour there is nobody going to come and knock my head for it the knocking all the time happens in your own head don't knock yourself so hard whatever can wait must wait this is very important for for moms <laughs> yes whatever can wait must wait do what you have to do at the present moment when i, I know of uh, mothers who are having newborn children and when they are nursing the baby they are doing something on the office work and then they are trying to grab their coffee and tea or their lunch they are having their snack at that time they're nursing the baby and they are work, working from home has made life miserable for many women who have small children yes. i know of people who are doing literally 10 things at the same time and i ask them like what are you trying to achieve what are you trying to achieve by doing this and so what happens is when your system is getting so comfortable doing 10 things at the same time you want to do more and more and more and more and more so your mind keeps repeating and reminding you that uh, what you're doing is not enough do more what you're doing now is not enough do more so do more do more you have to pause you have to slow down you got to slow down what in between of all of these things and a baby who has to be nursed you need to know how to prioritize just like we talk about the 80 20 uh, ratio at work it applies to you it applies to you you need to attend to what is important you need to learn the art of prioritization every single moment and do not feel guilty about what you're going to delay or postpone or put off now that you you say this 
I uh, realized why by that time I had this anxiety disorder. My my baby was uh, almost six months because that's what I did. This kind of um, one hand was breastfeeding my baby, the other hand was like doing the other thing and then all this kind of, you know, I have to serve the clients like the best customers and everything and then forget about the what should I prioritize in my life. This is this is um very very um very good message. Yeah. Now I understand. I used to see well, I used to work in corporates for almost 25 years and I've worked with more than five or six multinationals, Fortune 500s at uh, decent roles, okay? Uh, this awakening happened to me in my last job. And that's when I had my baby and um, I lost my health because I totally forgot uh, to take care of my health. Somewhere down the lane, I compromised. I said, okay, all the time, women tend to put themselves the last. They'll want to feed the family first and they'll eat last. They'll want to make the family comfortable and they'll consider their comfort last. You need to put yourself in the same place as you're putting the rest of the world around you. So I would suggest you to start your day by prioritizing for yourself. At least the first one hour of your time, if it needs for you to, you need to either get up early or wind up late, it's okay. Keep that one hour of your, your time learning how to put your needs and thoughts also. If you feel guilty of putting it ahead of others, at least put it along with the others, but definitely not the last. You know, when you put yourself last, you tend to start learning the art of ignoring your own self. And that's what I did. And that went in from one loop to another, to another. And that's when I had series of um, accidents and this, entire series of bed rest which happened kind of I was in a lockdown even long before COVID came <laughs> many years before I was um, in lockdown so then I took a conscious call to move out of that uh, lifestyle because my daughter actually confronted to me that uh, she needs me okay so and uh, then I took a decision to move out sorry so you have the self-reflection, that's the, the most important. Yes, so what happened when I quit my job? For the first six months, I am not exaggerating. For the first six months, I probably would have slept more than 12 to 13 hours a day. Okay, it took me six months to get to a new routine. Okay. Because my clock was so set, I had no place for myself in my clock at all. And that's what I realized. To reset this clock and put myself also as a part of my priority list took me six months because I used to always feel guilty. If I have to think of something of myself, I used to feel guilty. Either it is, it, it is office-related work or it is family Mind is always programmed like that. So today when I counsel and coach people and they seek help and they come up with these issues, the only missing element is uh, not having focus on themselves. Prioritizing oneself is very important and women should not feel guilty for doing that in any way. Yes. It is... Um... Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
Really See, you and I are lucky in many ways, Sylvia. I know of women uh, in many parts of Asia. I'm not sure how it is in Indonesia, but in many parts of Asian countries, you know that the lady still lives with the in-laws uh, in a joint family, where there are many multiple family members are under the same roof. It's just very hard for them uh, to even think of taking a breather. You know, so it's it's. But I still insist even to them that. You need to find that time, whether it is in the middle of the night or at four in the morning, whenever it's fine. But find that time for yourself, so that that one hour of time that you have for yourself balances the rest of the entire day that you have got on hand. Yes, that's um, that's the very important um, message: like how to pause and move forward. <laughs> yeah. <That's your laughs> yeah. So it's um wow it's already like um one and a half hours we've been talking really? wow really like um you gave so much value and um I still actually wanna really ask a lot of questions but um you know the time is already um one and a half hours and I think if if the women here who listen to us they resonance with all your your message. And then they wanna work with you, or they they really like you know need your help. How can they contact you? You can send me an email on uh, the ID that I can share here. Yes. All right. Uh, it's uh, Priscilla Anju. It is P R E C I L L A N J U at uh, the gmail dot com. I'm quite prompt in reverting to my mails. Yes, I will um, also write down. Uh, Priscilla's email um, under this uh, the video later on. Sure. So, thank you so much once again, Priscilla, for taking your time and then giving us so much value today. And then I can't wait to have another chat with you, and hopefully sure. we can cooperate like in so many ways in the future. Yeah, of course. Anything that will reach the masses out there and help them to be the better version. Yes, it'll be my pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Sylvia. Pleasure yeah, connecting bye -bye. with you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening the Unlock Your Best Version podcast. Have a wonderful day, and whatever happens, remember to smile because everything happens for us for the great reason. Connect with me through my Facebook page, Sylvia Astuti Gunawan. And if you love to read, you can check my blog sylvia-astutigunawan.medium.com and surround yourself with positive people and share the love and only love. Bye-bye.